0: Perfect Manny 20 at allvinjune.comslash perfect manny 20.
1: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure.
1: The following is a presentation of the Force Center Podcast Feed.
3: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast Feed, and this episode is Questions of the Force. We've been doing questions for a long time, and they've always had answers— But one of these days, maybe there'll be an episode where it's just questions and then a mysterious ethereal whooshing noise as we ponder the answers. Hopefully that won't happen this episode. I'm Joseph
4: Scripshaw. I'm Ken waiting for a rhetorical center where we just (laughs) ask ourselves questions. (laughs) We simply
3: raise the questions and then play chimes for a while.
4: Anyway, that's not what's happening today. We
3: got some great questions and we have some fun answers I'm sure is always we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible you can get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at audibletrialcom 4Center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week we are continuing to recommend Queen's Hope by E.K. Johnston. I read this book in one long sitting and had a great time. We're going to be uh, discussing it soon on Four Center, so if you want to get caught up, you can give it a listen by downloading a free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash Center. It gets you a free audiobook and it helps us out, so one more time, it's audibletrial.com slash Center for a free audiobook can you finish queen's hope right
4: i did not in one sitting yeah that is uh (laughs) takes some skills and uh patience i don't have i i but i had a great time uh reading that book such a such fan of that series such a fan of padme the character can't wait to dive in
3: yeah absolutely excited to discuss that one but for now we're going to discuss our questions we got two from twitter two from our patrons on patreon we go first to twitter and ross squatch ross squatch says uh, what do you do with your physical comics after reading them? I know Ken gets a new palette monthly, and I think Joseph goes <laughs> digital to make more room for his unopened box collection. Love the show, and it's been great to hear Jennifer Landa. Uh, absolutely agree with that. It's been really great to have Jennifer back for the news show and uh, get to hear her thoughts and just feel her great positive energy energy back on the show uh but let's go to the question ken uh what do you do with your comics are you building like a, a large pyramid out of uh comic
4: books what are you doing ross this question hurt it cuts me because it <laughs> reminds me of cleanup i gotta do yeah no this is great and and i was just having a conversation this past weekend with a, with a friend and i was just like i still go to my shop i love supporting my shop but i just i am i gotta hold it in my hand uh, i've got it same with uh Books, music. I've switched to digital. It's a thing. It's a thing. And questions like this make me, you know, maybe force some change into my life. Uh, (laughs) I'll say this. Uh, So when I'm done reading the comics, uh, generally I I will wait and our uh, pals, Jason Inman and Ashley Robinson run a charity drive. I don't think they were able to do it this past year, but they usually run a charity drive where they donate comics to, uh, us soldiers stationed all over the world. And and even in our own country, it's part of like a personalized little care package to, um, uh, to give uh, uh, comics to those uh, these folks out there um, because there's just, uh, you know, they need it. There's also a lot of nerds everywhere in the world. It was an important lesson <laughs> I learned back in the day. And Jason, who had uh, served in, in the military, just kind of, it's on his heart. So that's actually something I look forward to doing. And they also done work with a company called Operation Gratitude uh, based out of Van Nuys here in California, but the worldwide. They do the same thing. Personalized boxes to, to uh, the, the folks serving in our military around the world. It's just a nice thing. So I'll look for that. But I got to be honest, I, I keep all my Star Wars ones. Yeah. So um, I currently have six long boxes in my garage gym and I'm dreading the day that I'll have to move. That's it, Ross. That's the answer. I now, just go in there. I, I put them in sleeves and I stare at them and go, oh, one day I'm going to have to deal with this. Uh, just
3: sleeves or also backing boards?
4: Oh, backing boards. Yes. you go. Oh, yes. Backing boards. Yes.
3: And do you tape the them shut or do you leave the, the flaps flapping on the sleeves?
4: Joseph, I carefully tape them and then have to rip the tape later when I want to read them again. And I don't know why I tape them. But I can't stand when you pull open a long box and there's just a bunch of flappy plastic uh, lips just sticking up in the air. Looking oh, like yeah. You.
3: Flapping at you. You can't uh, you can't finger through them too quick. No, no, no it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. But imagine like that. We did that with libraries and like, you know, you see like an old European library and like each book is individually wrapped and you got to do the tape. Yeah,
4: yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I have had a a long relationship uh, with comics. They're really one of my my first uh, loves. I collected them a ton uh, from. I started when I was in third grade, <laughs> yeah, and uh, stopped when I was a sophomore in college. Uh, so, uh, and I still own the vast majority of those. I sold a couple of them. I have uh, two short boxes of comics in Los Angeles, and maybe ten long boxes mm. in my storage unit uh, back in Minneapolis. Um. And it's, it's always fascinating because it was a it was a time where when I was collecting like that, that comics were booming and people it was just when those started to be news of like, did you know that somebody paid a lot of money for a Superman comic book? Weird. Yeah. Those news reports started happening and then the company started to manufacture that. Right. Like there's that there was a new Batman comic like I think it was a shadow of the bat that had like it was an early variant cover thing where it was just different colors and Mm. everybody bought a million of those, you know, ensuring that they would never have any value whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. But then the things that you can never predict a new character, a new costume, you know, uh, Mm. somebody years later gets a movie and then, you know, so I I think uh, that's the the fascinating thing to me about physically owning Mm. them is you never know when something's going to become more valuable either financially or personally just Mm -hmm. because of, something in the comics and particularly the way Star Wars stories are told, right? Like, um, y- you know, you m- somebody might, somebody might've just picked up after number one. It's like, cool. Interesting. Right. But yeah. as that character grows, uh, mm-hmm. what's going to become uh, to the, uh, financial or personal value in that comic book is really fascinating. Um, yeah. So I, just because I went through that period in my life, I remember thinking at a pretty young age, like maybe 16, I had started taking the clothes out of my dresser, and filled my dresser with comic books. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and got some uh, grief uh from other other human beings about that of like that's not what a dresser is for. Uh, like at 16 I was just like this is my life. I'm going to die alone at 89 uh when one of my comic stacks falls on me. <laughs>
4: yes,
3: yes, yes. Uh and I, I have a collectible personality. I got a lot of action figures that uh, mm-hmm. Ross is referencing in my unopened box collection. Um so when I wanted to get back into Star Wars and the stories, uh, that was the first time ever I tried uh, digital comic books. Uh, mm. So I'm happy to have them. But also there was that recent change where uh, yes. Amazon had bought comiXology, but then Amazon uh, switched, op- switched over. And I finally confirmed that my iPad is not so ancient that I can't use their app, which is janky. But it's also that like that real visceral reminder that Amazon could just say, oh, we're changing the terms of condition. You don't own any of these anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that mm-hmm. real it's happening across lots of things with, you know, music and books and everything that that mm-hmm. realization that, you know, yeah, no, there's no guarantee that I own those your taped up sleeved comics. <laughs> they are yours, Uh, you know, yeah. and, yeah. you know, uh, a, a random billionaire can't flip a button and go you don't own those anymore.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I've had that debate in, 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 in my house even recently when I was pulling out DVDs for us to watch. <laughs> right. I already have these because like, you can't watch Dogma anywhere else. Uh, <laughs> Dogma's yeah. the perfect example. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, and I'm with you. I, I just of uh, – you know, uh, uh, going to you at 16, pulling your clothes out and putting your comic said, You know, everyone else be damned. You want to live your life like that. That's how you can live <laughs> your
3: life. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, what I do with my comics to answer Ross's question is uh, pray that they don't disappear from all of my devices. And I can mm-hmm. continue to have access for them. Uh, in, in the dream world where I have a lot more space, I think I'd pick up my favorite Star Wars runs in those uh, collected editions. I sometimes just, yeah. like, reach to buy. Like, I love that Lando one. <laughs> that Lando yeah. run of Charles Soles. And sometimes I, I reach, reach over to just buy that and go like, wait, wait until the shelves allow it.
4: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Good question. Yeah, good question. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, there's about six I have to tape up and put in boxes today. So Ross, you've inspired me.
3: Get on the taping, Ken. We're going to move on to our next question Uh, from Yoni. Yoni says, does the rule of two really exist? It seems to be more like rule of 2.5 and a dog. (laughs) There seems always to be a master and an apprentice and a backup plan. Keep up the good work. Uh, I think Yoni means keep up the good work to us, which thank you for the compliment, but maybe he's saying that to the Sith. Good job on the rule of 2.5. Where do you go with this, Ken? What do you think about the rule of 2 versus the rule of 2.5 and a dog?
4: Yeah, this caused me to to pull up the the rule of 2 page on Wikipedia and just... (laughs) Take a deep dive on into everything here. Uh, It just challenges. And I, I, you know, here is a quick answer to to Yoni. Yeah, yeah, it does. But the whole thing is just a lie anyways to me. It's obviously a structure to cultivate distrust, to feed one's hunger for power. And I, there's that old sports adage. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. And I kind of feel that's built into the (laughs) plan there. Uh, I just think deception is built into the business model and it's almost like it's encouraged, uh, you know, not, not said it's an unwritten rule. Like, all right, we're going to build power together. Uh, I'm got the power. You're going to crave it. That's how this works. And I know I'll probably kill you and replace you with another apprentice. I'm secretly training and you're going to do the same thing after you kill me. I just think that's part of the chaos of the whole plan, whether it's written there or not. I think the rule of two concept is good for the Sith, not good for the galaxy, but I understand (laughs) why Darth Bane was like, Hey, here's a better plan. This is how we can uh, survive and keep it going and kind of lay low. I get all that but yeah and I kind of like that in terms of um, as a Star Wars fan just that these uh, these Sith just can't get it together if they ever actually just <laughs> trusted each other and worked together it would not be good for us so I'm glad they can't figure it out it's just kind of fun to watch them keep pushing that boulder up the hill and having it fall back down on them
3: yeah no i i so agree with you and the uh, Wikipedia page for the the rule of two (laughs) Mm -hmm. i love the idea of the the sith using the force to push the boulder up but it still comes a rolling back down on them um yeah i i I love i love the story of it the idea that there's these armies uh, of like-minded people in that they were all against the jedi (laughs) in that we are in agreement we all crave power hey wait (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh yeah. wiping themselves out you know which lucas yeah. is really big about like that that that's the destruction of the sith they wipe themselves out And i love the darth bane story of like okay well we can work with this reality and set up a cycle of destruction that ensures uh evolution and and the continuation of the line yeah. by just having two and, and i think that to me is what's so fascinating about this idea is that the uh, the attempt to dance up to the edge of breaking the rule of two is one of the points of the rule of two, right? Yeah. yeah, That it's a rule that's meant to be attempted to be broken because everything with the Sith is about domination, who is on top, and about grabbing power. And if you're all about grabbing power, at some point you're not going to go, I'm cool with sharing it with my one other buddy. (laughs) You are going to want the most, right? You you can't be like, I'm all about power and I love sharing it (laughs) 50-50. No, if you're all (laughs) about power, you're going to want to take the most. So I think uh, I love that this is the story in Star Wars that the apprentice is supposed to prove their power by taking a shot at the master. And the master is supposed to prove their power uh, by deflecting the shot and punishing the apprentice for it until they try again. And either the apprentice fails and they kill him and they get a new apprentice or the apprentice succeeds, they kill the master and they become the master. It's this, a great neat little package. And I, and uh, I love that we get to see it play out, right. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, That, I love in particular like there's like semantics games, right? Where like, Dooku's like, well, Asajj Ventress is not my Sith apprentice. She is not Sith. She's an assassin. <laughs> like, it's just sort of yeah. like, am I a, a store supervisor or the store manager? I would never appoint a store manager. She's the supervisor. She has a yeah. different, uh, you know, benefits package. Sidious, it's okay. But obviously, she's the building block, and, and Sidious, she's building towards dooku's grab yeah at at the reins and sidious is like yeah no no i'm not buying the
4: assassin thing anymore she's gotta go <laughs> she's gotta go uh, yeah you know? i was gonna highlight that moment too because it's just so fun it is just the no of star wars and it's great <laughs> and, and, and even with Dooku, like i love we talk about a lot here i love the revenge of the sith moment the 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 horror the look on dooku's face when he realizes he's about to be killed but also kind of like shocked that it turned out this way and it's like you're so wrapped up in your own quest for power you just thought it would turn out different for you i guess it's just fascinating to me and you thought you would eventually take over and here it is and and darkness led you this way and and i, I just love that look on his face it just speaks yeah. to him going but i thought there was a rule of two
3: <laughs> it really was just like that i thought i was so on the path to being one step ahead of him and mm-hmm. we'd finish the clone wars the galaxy would be remade the way I want it to be, and then I, I'll I'll stab him in the back, no problem. And then him realizing, oh, oh mm-hmm. no, I was always an interim apprentice, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. the apprentice who would become the master. Like you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think a couple other places that it that it plays out is you know Palpatine in in the Vader comics trying out replacements, you know,
4: yeah,
3: mm-hmm. uh, and and forcing Vader to prove himself. I think you know. There's got to be inquisitors who are hoping for a shot, right? That, that even that, like, they can mm-hmm. use the force, they can be dark side, we'll train them. Uh, but you know, we're going to keep them under our boots. They're not supposed to take a shot unless, if some inquisitor successfully took Vader out, I'm sure Palpatine would be like, great, congrats, that's the way it goes. Yeah.
4: No, I, I love it. And, and I know I mentioned it before recently, but that the Lucas stuff that's in, in Paul Duncan's archives of of, of Palpatine kind of really being upset, particularly at Kenobi for getting, uh, you know, a, a bum deal by getting a, yeah. a a half Vader when I wanted. I, I, I bought full. Now I got half. Oh, I guess I'll make that work. <laughs> and just always that kind of being in the back of Palpatine's head for a, a lack of a better way to look at it in my brain of just him going. Damn it, that's not what I bought. wonder what, I'm going to make sure. I want to make sure. Oh, wait, there's a sun. That's a full model. That's the newer full model. I want that. It's just fascinating to me that that would work under under this. Uh, but in the meantime, it's like, yeah, yeah, rule of two, rule of two. Anyways, uh, what else do I got here? It just feeds all the things that are uh, you know bad about the Sith, the power, the distrust, the greed, everything about it.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and and for me, I think that that uh, leads up to kind of one of the the biggest rule of two scenes, or or that would make people think this is a rule of two point five, uh, and a dog is uh, Yoni's very funny turn of phrase. The the scene in Empire Strikes Back, which I think was made even more pointed in the the special edition versions, when they're talking about well, Luke could be you know a powerful ally if he was turned. I feel like that that is them dancing with each other, right? That's them playing mm-hmm. with each other. Both mm-hmm. they both know that when they're talking about turning Luke, you know, I think Vader knows Palpatine will try to use Luke to replace him, Vader. And Palpatine yeah. knows Vader will try to use Luke to overthrow him. Right. They're, they're playing a little dance. They're Like, Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, he would be a powerful ally for one of, or the other of us. And we both know it, but there's enough wiggle room, right. Of like, Oh yeah, no, we could turn him to the dark side. And then what? He'd be an assassin. Right. Um, <laughs> we appear to have shut down the inquisitorious, but maybe he'd be a new inquisitor. Right. And like, It's just, it's, it's two people who know they're going to fight lying to one another in, in waiting for the day. And we see it play out in Return of the Jedi that that's absolutely Palpatine's plan. Like, yeah, kill your father, take his place. That's, that's the whole deal. Yeah. Like, look, you're the version, (laughs) you're the version I bought before Kenobi, uh, you know, screwed up and he was in mint condition.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Now he's
3: out of the package, (laughs) bent up, loose. Many of his features don't work. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I, I would love a scene in in a, you know, maybe a short film, uh, uh, my dinner was with the Sith or something, where it's just two, it's the master and apprentice sitting there having a nice Sith dinner, and they're both like, how was your day? And then just flashes to him, one of, the, one of them finding the apprentice and the other, maybe the Sith uh, apprentice trying to plot a way to, to kill their master. Like, I just would love kind of like, oh, nothing. I, he went to the store. You're like, oh, what did you do today? Oh, just, just meditated on power and just flashes <laughs> to what they're both, just uh love to see that explored. Yeah,
3: yeah. And and I think some of the stuff in the comics has been really good, um, uh, including uh the the more recent Vader run with Palpatine really really trying to break Vader after Empire Strikes yes. Back and yeah. Re- rebreak him and all that great stuff. Yeah.
4: Uh, any other thoughts on that before we take a break? No, it is interesting though. I will say, but uh, uh, you mentioned like especially with the Palpatine Vader stuff as it's unfolded and, and been explained and uh, not explained, but just you know you get to see a little bit more of the story and some of the modern comics and everything. I just I didn't grow up with that in my head, and so I've just been fascinated by it. Where I just kind of thought, yeah, no, I mean all the stuff like you're talking about in Jedi, where it's like I get what they're doing, I get the arrival of Luke changes the plans, but I just had as a kid this really naive view that they were sitting down and having it nice dinner and i'm just glad that i look at it as it is now it's been a fun journey with uh, my own journey with the rule of two
3: yeah i've really enjoyed uh, a lot of the fleshing out of the rule of two in the storytelling because yeah when when revenge of the sith ended i've said this before i've had like years of like the hell that vader imprisoned himself to Of like he's just sitting there with palpatine while palpatine just chats his ear off about (laughs) evil and his favorite cheeses and whatever mundane bs (laughs) and vader's just like yes Yes, Yes. my master. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But instead, constantly tortured. Constantly tortured. And on that upbeat note, uh, we are going to take a quick break.
1: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
3: And we are back to continue taking some questions of the force from our patrons on Patreon. We go first to Robert Meadows. Robert says, I just want to know what everyone's thoughts are on Star Wars Resistance. I think it's a fantastic show that doesn't get enough love from the fan base.
4: Uh, Ken, where do you go with that? Great, great uh, question, thought starter. uh, Robert, we really uh, love Resistance here. I, I just straight up consider it underrated. Uh, I think that's the way I look at it. And I get why in some ways, you know, the two seasons, maybe not not enough time to invest. Some of the humor comes off a little different or a little more broader, What you know, a little more slipping and falling and yoinks humor at times. Um, I get that. I get that. And it looks a little different, but it's full of fascinating characters. We could just run down a list, but Kaz, the Dolza family family, Griff Halloran, Jarek Yeager, Mika Gray, one of your favorites, Kel Mm -hmm. and uh, Ela, the the refugee kids, the story of Tam, there's so much there, so much about how the First Order was allowed to grow, the Colossus kind of being this thing that's by itself, not wanting to be part of the the fight in in a bigger way, and a lot of what is in our past and how to deal with it or grow from it, some of the stuff with Jarek Yeager uh, is very serious, Um, very, you know, PTSD and and, and, Mm -hmm. and guilt and shame, Uh, the stuff of Tam maybe not having a place in finding it in a, in, a, in, a, in a source and making a decision that, that is bad at the time. Uh, and then just, again, the refugee kids and their discussion of of Kylo Ren and how he came to the village, you know, lest you forget that that is an evil in the galaxy, you know, the First Order. All that fascinating stuff. And then O-peep it, the best janitor in all of Star Wars. <laughs> it does have a lot. And I do hope eventually it can be re-evalued by the, the Star Wars fandom at large.
3: Yeah, no, I really agree with a lot of what you're saying. I, I really love it. I think it is undervalued, under-discussed, but also just underseen. And I think maybe mm-hmm. that's a part of it. Is I just don't think anywhere near as many people uh, have watched it. I think the people who got who grew up with the Clone Wars, that is like a defining part of Star Wars uh, mm-hmm. for them, right? Um, then the people who... Uh, there, we know so many people who came into Star Wars with Rebels. And, and in some ways, like yeah. that's their entry point and then so many ideas characters beats from clone wars and rebels have shown up in live action and kind of been iconic and caused other people to go like i gotta go check this out and resistance just hasn't had any of that um so i think that's a part of the reason that it's just underseen it's not it literally has not i think not been seen as much and i think um for me some of the the factors of that is the the short season you know the Mm -hmm. if you're making a if you're catching up on star wars on disney plus and you're making a list like it's not going to show up on the you have to see it in order to be all caught up with the mandalorian right uh yeah Yeah. and i think also the fact that it was uh pitched to a younger demographic right there is um tonally it, it, it there is just more cast uh, uh, <laughs> uh, does a, a scream and slip his way through episodes and that's not a bad thing it's a it's a yeah. tone thing yeah. and then even within that there is like you're saying all these great big very Star Wars uh, ideas so uh, I think that it, uh, it would be great if uh, if more fans could go like okay it's it's kind of pitched at this younger demographic But like all things Star Wars, it is for uh, kids of all ages (laughs) and there are are big ideas uh, within it and some real important storytelling, I think, that does enhance the sequels ultimately. Um, Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, the things that I that I love about it, the visuals are phenomenal. I love that style. It just it looks gorgeous. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it is, even though it is a little bit of a, a younger demographic sense of humor, it is legitimately funny to me. You know, mm-hmm. the reason that I love OP Bit the Janitor is because those are just some like great reoccurring bits. Some of them are like just direct vaudeville across the back of the flat with the rubber tree plant <laughs> bits. It's great, yeah. legitimate comedy, you know?
4: Yep. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, it, and then it is very, very um, heartfelt. It's a very sincere show, right? It is mm-hmm. about young people trying to make uh, connections and really uh, taking responsibility. Uh, for their choices it's you know about found family mm-hmm. about uh, and i think maybe for me the most important part of the storytelling for me is that tale of resisting the reality of war it's yeah. sort of um, in uh, implied in the storytelling of the force awakens that the republic as a government just they knew that the first order is kind of out there but like what come on they're not the empire again let's not be melodramatic yeah and where a lot of that feeling comes from is characters that we get to meet in here of characters who went through the horror of the galactic civil war and they so desperately don't want it to be true that they're in denial and that leads them mm. to make dangerous choices and then turn around and face it you
4: know absolutely Absolutely. Also for me, here's this angle. It, it now it came out in 2019 and goes into 2020. That's not like deep into the Disney era past, right? Where it's like 2014, 2015. But mm-hmm. there's still sometimes that, that that thing and and maybe as adults looking at some of these shows, particularly if you're on podcasts or, or doing YouTube channels or whatever, where you want everything, this feeling of connection, this feeling of you want it to explain more of the overall story and something like this comes along and you think, and a member was advertised. It was like a group of, of fighter aces in this era of resistance. And like, oh, so we might get more answers. And I think it it it, it doesn't fully scratch that itch if you have that itch. But but me, and I like that. And I think at the time, I remember, especially in, the, especially in the beginning, I mean like, well, this isn't like a squadron fighting the first. This is like a planet, like a, 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 a rig on a planet that has almost nothing to do. And I felt like it wasn't giving me the big picture and at the end of the day it's giving you all of the big picture it's giving you all the big themes it's just its own story yeah and 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 it's it's handling those big i mean everything you're talking about the refugees alone is this real serious serious star wars discussion and it is wrapped up with some fun and so i think it's it's easier for other folks and, and even myself at a times to overlook it uh, number one, like you said, to, how to see it was at times a little difficult too, but just like to overlook it because you just don't feel it's uh, it is, it's it's not connected to the big picture. And it really is. This is why we talk about the themes and, and the emotional canon and all those kind of things at Star Wars. And this does kind of end up, I'm not just talking about the Colossus, you know, is kind of a blip in the rise of, of Skywalker Battle of Exegol stuff. It, that, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the themes that lead everyone in the galaxy to show up at that fight. This is where you kind of get in that and how that process worked. Uh, I think with the people of the galaxy.
3: Yeah, I, I really think that to me is the a bunch of individual characters, a bunch of great found family stuff, young people choosing, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, what they really want to believe. Some classic. A Star Wars stuff, but that is the the thing that's most compelling about it. Of is almost like you watch the citizens' fleet arrive in Rise of Skywalker, and you say, "Who are all those people? Who are those people who would take yes. that risk? What would get them to the point that they would be willing to take that risk?" And this is taking one, you know, mostly Kaz is our introductory character, but then a community of people who mm-hmm. try to just hide from it. They can't hide from it, and get to that point where, like, if we don't stand up, then this will be our fate forever. It's it's this one community story that kind of tells the whole story uh, yeah. of the citizens' fleet. I will say for myself, um, I, I would take, I would have taken a little bit more force. <laughs> Kylo, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. pops up. Mika Gray's after Sith artifacts to keep them away from Dark Side users. Um, this is a total subjective thing. I think for me, uh, I know some people really claim, like, can we have a, a Star Wars with no lightsabers, no force? And we absolutely can. And this is a great example of it. It's it's minimal in this. I would take a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost feel like I, I this is not going to happen. This is an utter <laughs> uh, a wish list that is not going to be fulfilled by uh, Star Wars Santa Claus. I almost wish they'd make a movie or a mini uh, season taking this story up from where it left off which is entirely satisfying the way it is is a, it's a yeah. two season story it's entirely satisfying but I almost wish they do a little bridging story that now that Rise of Skywalker is out and done and brings Colossus to it and yeah. lets us totally completely see that story of who's on yeah. Colossus what are they feeling you know, those other fighter uh, fighters yeah. are there you know uh, that it, it would be really cool and I think would maybe make it come up to that level that clone wars and rebels are at like this is an essential part of the story uh, yeah i that's just absolute mm. blue sky desire yeah. it's not gonna happen <laughs>
4: no I, uh, I get you i get you on that uh, i i don't uh, i think i mean because just because i uh, the, the dolza family alone is just i want more of them like i'd love to see and get some of the pers- pers- perspectives in the battle of mexico specifically
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I think another final thought on this is I'm sure I know that animation is planned way, way ahead of time. And I'm sure that a part of it was a little bit of that shifting. I think it was well in development as they were like, you know what, Disney Plus. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and if it had started just a couple years later as a Disney Plus show, I wonder if it had been developed a little bit differently.
4: I don't disagree with that at all. Absolutely. And who knows? Re- resistance saved. Maybe that's the, class, uh, the the hashtag we need now.
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe 10 years from now, it will be like uh, the Clone Wars saved panel. Uh, mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on that before we move on to our final question?
4: No. And to those who are listening and haven't had the chance to take the deep dive, uh, you know, seek it out. Disney Plus uh, has it uh, and, and and just uh, let it sit with you for a bit. Take it in. Go for the ride. It's It's a fun journey.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Thank you, Robert, for giving us a reason to uh, get excited about Star Wars Resistance again. We go to our final question from Jay. Uh, Jay says, just before their duel on Bespin, Luke ignites his blade with a quick snap, while Vader's Mm. slowly emerges with an evil hiss. This is clearly done for dramatic effect, emphasizing each man's mindset leading into battle. That said, what is your in-universe kayfabe explanation Mm. for this mechanical difference? Does Vader have an an intimidation adjustment knob on his hilt controlling the speed at which his lightsaber extends for when he wants to inspire an extra layer of fear in an enemy <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, i love that uh anakin vader is a tinkerer right so like mm, mm-hmm. how fast do i want the blade to come out today uh where
4: do you go with this Ken? this is great jay because i, I, I call this one of my favorite little things in that fight and in Star Wars, where that's a cool moment. Both moments are cool. Just, and then it's it's just as a kid, you just geek out that kind of stuff and carry, carry that with you the rest of your Star Wars fandom. I, without And I intentionally did not look up anything, Joseph. I didn't grab one of the, the lightsaber books uh, that we have. I didn't look on Legends tabs, Canon tabs. I didn't want to know the answer. I just wanted to dream up what I think is the case. And I just I wonder if it's pressurized. So if you, you snap down on that button, it shoots out. But if you hold it, like when you hold your X button or something, it's going to slowly extend because you might want to have some precision. Maybe you're trying to get into a door slowly and you don't want the blade to come out all the way. And just, or you don't want to wake people when you ignite the yeah, blades. So it's like exactly zzzz, exactly coming out
3: extremely slowly.
4: And then the Sith, we talk about Rule of Two and all the things going on. They, they deal in intimidation. So I do think it, it acts as that. And I, I do think there's something to Vader just going, yeah, yeah, you ready for a fight? What about this? Like, I just I just love everything about this. Anyways, that's my official answer. Pressurized.
3: Uh, I th- I like that. I mean, a lot of the visual dictionaries have the different, like, adjustment knobs for yes. the, the length of the blade, and, you know, there's there's stuff about like, there are different levels of settings so they don't actually, you know, cut through you when you're t- training a youngling right. <laughs> and all that kind of thing. Um, I love the idea of pressurized because it really does make me feel like video game. Like, do all Sith have rumble packs on their lightsabers to really make them get into nah. it? Shake it? Okay. Uh, peaceful Jedi, like, we do not need any rumble packs. Thank you we don't very much. We don't um, I think for me, I, I always lean toward a little bit more of the magical, the spiritual than the technical in Star Wars, you know, in, in lightsabers, mm-hmm. obviously uh, like everything in Star Wars, they're, they're both uh, because they do have all these, you know, adjustment knobs and emitters and focusing things and all that. Uh, but I kind of like the idea since we've got it a lot in, in modern Canon, that there can be a real relationship between the force user and, and the crystal the blade mm-hmm. uh that that's just vader using the force uh not y- yeah. you're arguing for the actual force of the pressure button and <laughs> he's like <laughs> i'm leaning <laughs> very slowly so it comes out slowly but i'm just like that he that he just mm. when he hits the button he is like almost using the force to hold back the energy and let it come out slowly yeah. uh it that you, you end up in the same place right that it is um, yes yeah that it's about like jay is saying I, I do like that it's about the the stakes right that luke really thinks he's ready he's cocky and over anxious and just <laughs> lights it up and flips it up and ready to go right uh that and the fact that worry. vader's like okay i'll let you do that i'll let you show me how how fast you're ready to go and then the the way that vader ignites it very mm-hmm. uh very slowly in, in comparison really is like the like I am not even gonna break a sweat, kid.
4: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah, again, sit there using every tool in the toolbox to make you feel less than. I uh, love that Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh it, it is a great visual, a great uh start to the battle. So uh interesting yeah. that we come to the, the same uh idea of <laughs> yeah. Vader's letting it out slow on purpose, but is it uh is it a pressure button or the force? The ancient yeah. Star Wars question. <laughs>
4: Well, look, of the two of us, you're the only one that's built a lightsaber, Joseph. So I think the next time you're at the old uh, workshop there at Galaxy's Edge, I think you just start. You raise your hand and be like, what can I pressurize the button? Is this official? (laughs) I would like to be able to change the ignition speeds. (laughs) If you could,
3: if you couldn't, if you can do that, you know, there are younglings at the temple who are like having like. It takes me I've said it. So it takes me 45 minutes to fully ignite my blade. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Slowest fight in history.
3: Wait for it. Wait
4: for it. Wait for it.
3: Uh, Well, that is a great question and a great image, I think, to uh, to end this episode on. Do you have any other thoughts on that one?
4: No, other than, it reminds me, I do need to eventually build a lightsaber, so we'll do that. Yeah,
3: no, I need to maybe build another one. is such an amazing uh, experience. Uh, but thank, this is why we love doing these, these, uh, these episodes with the questions where, like, that's, like, an amazing moment in Empire Strikes yeah. Back, and I've always just enjoyed it for what it is, and I've never got to stop and, like, really, really think about it. That's the kind of mm-hmm. thing that we love that comes from these questions. So thank you, Jay. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Yoni. And thank you, Ross, for those great questions. That's it, Ken.
4: Thank you all. Thank you all for listening here. We're the Force Center Podcast. We're on Twitter at Four Center Pod. You can uh, also see us on Instagram and YouTube as well. Thanks for having watched the live Q&A last month. We'll do another one soon. May's going to be busy, but we'll get something in there for you. Podcasts available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Just search. You'll find us. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center, like Jay did, where Jay gets to ask us this question. Probably been sitting on in a while. Patreon's a place to ask those uh, deeper questions as well as the ones we take on Twitter. Uh, anyways, that's where you can support us directly. And you can follow me at CatNapsuck or go to my website, CatNapsuck.com, for information on upcoming things I do, including big comedy show here in L.A. June 4th at Doug Weston's Troubadour. Ticket link on my website. Joseph, where can I find you?
3: Yeah, you can find me all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com for more comedy adventures, past, present, and future, coming up soon. That's josephsgrimshaw.com. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken, for lightsabers that ignite at any speed, this has been Questions of the Force. For